With COVID-19 cases surging across the country, it is more important than ever to identify, create, and implement scalable solutions to help detect and track infections in order to help bring this crisis to manageable levels. During this episode, we spent time with Kitty Colding, the CEO of Audible Health AI, to discuss her team's pioneering efforts of leveraging artificial intelligence as an effective and scalable solution to aid in the fight against the virus. Audible Health AI's initial suite of products are designed to detect coughs in a variety of sound environments and then visualize and classify the coughs as being COVID-19 or any additional cough types, including asthma, bronchitis, COPD, emphysema, and tuberculosis. I look forward to you joining this inspiring and thought-provoking conversation as we continue to work together to overcome one of the greatest healthcare challenges of our lifetimes. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Kitty, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Mike, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, we have some exciting developments to cover during today's conversation regarding your team's work to help battle COVID-19 with artificial intelligence and diagnostics and the recent Small Business Research Innovation Grant your team received from the National Science Foundation. Before we dive into all of this incredibly important, inspiring work, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment and visit passionatepioneers.com in order to share your feedback and ideas. Simply scroll to the comments section at the bottom of each posted episode. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, kid, we have a lot to cover today. Some exciting developments happening in the Audible Health AI camp. But before we go there and we're talking about this research grant that you landed and where you're going to take this technology to help battle this deadly virus in our nation and maybe even beyond. Let's go back a bit though, Kitty, set the stage for our community before you even launch your startup, Audible Health AI. Give us a little bit of that backstory of how you got to where you are today with the organization. Sure. So I've been, you know, running and launching startups and small companies for much too long. And earlier this year, I had been talking a lot with a friend and a colleague, Dr. Michelle Archuleta, who is now my business partner in this company, we were really grappling with what could we possibly do? Is there some way we could impact COVID? Michelle uh, has an incredible background in artificial intelligence, things like natural language processing. She's a brilliant data scientist as well. And she realized that she had an approach that could, in fact, identify coughs and then classify them as to whether they were COVID or one of many other kinds of coughs. And when we realized she could do that, we decided this was the right moment given how fast the virus is moving and how deadly and incredibly damaging it was to everything you know, around the world. Uh, we decided to make a play for it. So we pitched the National Science Foundation, meaning that we put together kind of an initial sort of elevator pitch 
And they, interestingly, we sent it into them at 8.15 on a Saturday evening. And at 8.30, we got a response. And they said, please go to full proposal. And that really is what kicked things off. And before we go into that, Kitty, because I'm so excited to be able to even just for myself learn, how does one even take care of that, get it all buttoned up to be able to receive a grant from an incredible organization like a National Science Foundation? But before we go there, pull the curtain back a bit. How did you and Michelle, Dr. Archuleta, who is a friend of mine as well, an incredible leader in our community, brilliant, brilliant scientist, how did you both even connect in the first place? What were some of those early conversations? How did you guys come together to even start this organization? Yeah, so Michelle and I met sort of fortuitously at a networking event, a group called Wonder Women. And there was a group here in the Denver area where Michelle and I are both based. And so we met several times at those get-togethers and just immediately connected. I've been so compelled by her intellect and the way she looks at the world. And it ended up that we make a good pair, I always say, She's the scientist and I'm the capitalist. (laughs) And it ends up working really well that way. And so we're generating ideas for another company that she runs, really interesting company in the healthcare space. And we were trying to figure out how to make that thing really take off. And then COVID hit and we just continued to talk to try to figure out how we could create some kind of positive impact. Now, let's go there before we talk about the process of receiving an SBIR grant, because I know not only myself, but our community will be very interested to learn. Let's talk about Audible Health AI. What is it? How does it work? I know you gave us a little bit of that high level, but take us in the weeds Mm -hmm. a bit. How does this actually work? Is it an actual physical product in the hands of customers and patients across the country? Give us a little bit of that in the weeds, how this all works. Sure. So the company, if you zoom out, the company is focused on creating positive health impacts by using AI to analyze respiratory conditions. And our first layer of effort is around respiratory conditions that present with a cough. And so the technology is designed to be able to distinguish the sound of the cough from an environment that may have many sounds happening at the same time, uh, but be able to definitively identify, oh, that sound that I'm hearing is actually a cough. And then as soon as it does that, it can then classify exactly what kind of cough that is. That's the ultimate manifestation of where we want to go with the product. That's going to require FDA approval and clinical trials. So we have a road ahead of us. But we also know that there is a way for us to impact COVID right now. And so we've come up with kind of a third piece to this puzzle, which is this cough visualizer. And it allows us to show the really obvious differences between a cough sound that has been captured. One of the most astonishing things that I learned as Michelle started taking me through this technology is every single kind of cough that you capture an audio signal for is when you visualize it using a bunch of different approaches, filter banks and feature extraction technologies. Each of them looks so completely different that an individual that is not a respiratory expert or an AI scientist, just the naked eye, you can easily tell the difference between a COVID cough, asthma, bronchitis, whooping cough, which is easily distinguished if you're a physician, but not everybody can hear that themselves. So the other part that we're working on is how can we get something into the market today? Because we know how long it takes for FDA to really kind of do its thing. And even if we got an emergency use authorization, which we want to pursue, we think it's going to be difficult 
to get into the market fast enough to really do what we want to do. So we've created kind of this interim piece, this visualizer that allows any user, you know, to actually get value from the technology. In terms of the doodad itself, really what we're building is technology. And so we have a few different ways that we think we can put this product into the marketplace. One is via an app. And so you can imagine being a consumer at home, maybe your, your child is sick. It's three in the morning. My kids are always sick at three in the morning. And you're saying, what kind of cough do I have here? So you could actually cough right into your phone. You don't need any special microphones or you know, high def equipment. The software can work actually on your phone device or a tablet or even your laptop computer. So that's one way that you can actually interact with the software. Another is that in a kind of a group environment, so one of the groups we've been, one of the customer categories we've been talking to a lot is nursing homes. So imagine in a nursing home environment, you would actually have audio sensors in place, microphones, acoustic, you know, capture devices of some kind, and they would be listening all the time only for those cough sounds and then identifying what those cough sounds are and pushing that information to the dashboards that we've built to identify exactly what kind of cough, where the sound event was detected, uh, what time, you know, those kinds of things to give, in that case, people that are caring for their residents and, you know, the operators of that facility, the ability to actually very rapidly identify that there may be an infection that they need to get on top of. And Kitty also, as we all know, we've been learning a lot month over month now with the pandemic and how COVID-19 acts and interacts with humans. One of the areas that has been very eye-opening, I think, for all of us is the asymptomatic spread of this disease. Can you share a bit what you guys are building? Can it detect asymptomatic coughing as well? Because if we can get to those patients as well and then get them quarantined, obviously that's going to be a huge help in battling this virus. Can you share anything around the asymptomatic patient? Yeah, it's really important. So there's really three groups. There's people that do not have COVID. There's people that have it but are asymptomatic. And then, of course, there's people who have it that are symptomatic. So we really need to be able, ideally, to address all of those because ruling COVID out is as important as anything else. And so some of the groups that we've been talking with, so, for example, the cruise lines operators, which you can imagine, you know, the need for having technology like this on board or prior to boarding a ship. So one of the use cases that we're advancing is this idea of being able to capture a cough sound from everyone. Imagine if you would, as you're going through an airport, if someone's taking your temperature right alongside them, they'd also be capturing a cough sound, even if it's what we call a forced cough. In other words, you don't have any inflammation that you're aware of, but if you were at your doctor's office and they had their stethoscope on your back and said, cough for me, it's that kind of a cough. So the product needs to be able to handle all three of those scenarios. That is what we are working toward. We don't have the precision on all three of those yet where we want it to be, but that is something we know we can do. We know it is possible. And so that's what we're working really diligently to get because this kind of technology has a bunch of benefits, but if it could just do that, definitively rule out COVID and then identify those that do have it, regardless of what their symptom conditions might be or what they may not be, that's the holy grail. You know, that's really where we want to be. And it's so important because 
Of course, we know that finally we're starting to get more testing in this country and in other places around the world. And there's starting to be rapid tests available. And that's really important to these saliva tests that are you know, pretty high quality, delivering results in 10 minutes or 15 minutes. That's important and a really wonderful innovation toward stemming the terrible results of this pandemic. But the other problem with what we see there and the thing that we really wanted to affect the most is that no matter how many tests there are currently, you cannot test everyone four or five or six days in a row. And what we're learning about this disease is that you may test negative for three or four or five days. And it's not till five or six days later that you start testing positive, but you've had it all those other days. You may not have been as contagious as others, but right now, just the practical consideration of trying to test virtually everyone in a community four or five days in a row, whether you're on a ship or you're in a nursing home or you're at home with your family, you're in a doctor's office, it's just not plausible. So that's what we want to be able to do is provide this continuous testing, almost infinitely scalable, no supplies, no chemicals, no lab processing, no specialized collection facilities with you know skilled people that know how to do biospecimen collection. We want to eradicate all that and make this something that's visible and available really all of the time to anyone. Kitty, I'm fired up. Man, this is so exciting. I have so many questions. I feel like this podcast episode could go on for quite some time. But I do have one burning question because I'm very confident (laughs) our parents in the community, their ears are up right now, our educators in the community, same thing. How does this look like in regards to pediatrics versus adult medicine? We know that pediatric care Mm -hmm. versus adult care are very different, but in regards to Audible Health AI serving the pediatric market, maybe listening in at schools or however at home, is there any early work around the pediatric market, working with children, anything to share there? Yes, definitely. So we agree. You know, we think we are not in the camp that this disease is not affecting kids. It is. It's dangerous to kids and they can also carry it and infect others. So it's incredibly important that we be able to handle the differences. And there are differences in analyzing, you know, doing the AI, doing the analysis of a child's cough as opposed to an adult, as opposed to an elderly person that may have trouble even coughing at all because they may be in a weakened condition. So all those considerations are part of the testing and development that we're doing. We absolutely see evidence that we can identify all three of those kinds of age groups and have effective tools. Most important thing we need to make that work is more data. So at the end, when you ask me what help we could use from you, I haven't asked for you. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to highlight that, I'm sure, and hopefully have multiple asks because this is incredibly exciting. And I know there are many in the Passion of Pioneers community that can certainly be additive and helpful here. So thank you for that as well, Kitty. So I also want to dive into the recent news around your SBIR grant. That's a big deal. And I think as well, highlighted it just a bit at the front end of how quickly it came together. Can you share with our community how this even happens. I think there's a lot of mystery around how does one even uh, secure a grant from the National Science Foundation? Maybe even take us into how did you even first uh, alerted that they're giving these grants, process through it, how it came together, and then of course what you're going to use the grant for. Sure. So again, you know, because 
my partner, Michelle, is so brilliant and so experienced. She has already done this before. So she has gotten SBIR grants from the NSF before for other technology that she has developed. So we kind of had a ringer (laughs) in the process. So when we started working on this, she said, you know, I think we could get an NSF grant out of this. So she sort of knew the initial approach that we needed to take. So the process, as I came to learn from Michelle, which I knew exactly zero about, like all of this was a total mystery and a new adventure for me. So the first thing we had to do was write up a pitch and send that in. And that's the one that we got a response back literally in 15 minutes on a Saturday evening, which we were sort of astounded by. But from there, that part went fast and the rest went really slow from our perspective. So the next step was to go to a full proposal. And the NSF is pretty serious about what a proposal needs to consist of. It's a very rigorous, a very regimented set of requirements that you have to pull together, not just your business case, but the science of this, you know, how you and exactly what kind of approaches you will be using, um, how you'll be developing the technology, what the use cases are supposed to look like. So we spent about a month pulling all that together. And then the other part that really makes it take a long time is you have to undertake all these registrations with the government to be sure that you have all these kind of hurdles passed and all these check boxes checked. And so that was a pretty extensive process. We got through it in about a month, which I think is pretty fast from what I understand, but it seemed like forever to us. So we actually submitted the proposal in in mid-April. And initially when we did, when we were talking with the NSF, we understood that we would hear in four to six weeks but it didn't work out that way. The NSF was very aggressively seeking proposals related to COVID, but they were overwhelmed with the response. And so we didn't actually hear from them again. We got an indication at the end of August that we were likely to get the funding. And it wasn't until mid-September that we actually got notified that we had you know, been, that we'd received the award and we could retrieve the money to get the business started. And so you know, mid-September, we, you know, we had to stand up, we had formed a shell corporation and done some initial work, but we had to immediately go into, you know, overdrive and start hiring and putting all the pieces of the business together. And importantly, doing it in the right framework that both NSF requires, but also critically, from the minute we start, we have to be thinking about building quality software that would be acceptable to FDA. So we have to be on top of that from day one, you know, using QMS tools to be sure that we're producing good quality software so that we don't have to go back and do that later when we get in front of FDA. And so therein lies the question that I have around this for my own learnings and again for our community. Are there specific parameters around the use of funds for a grant like this? Is it just for software or can you use it for anything to build the business? Anything to highlight there? Yeah, it's really an important question. Something, again, that I knew nothing about. The primary use of that NSF funding is R&D. That's what they want us to do. So our objective is to test the theories that we put forth in our proposal, see which ones were right, which ones are wrong, what we're going to substitute instead. So advancing that technology as far as we can. And in parallel, NSF is very focused on commercialization. So although you can't use any of that money for marketing or sales or anything like that, they do expect you to be pushing toward commercialization strategies 
throughout the time of the grant. We got a six-month SBIR grant. And so it's nice the way that Michelle and I are set up in that she's, you know, this brilliant scientist. And so she's running all the technology. We hired a bunch of brilliant AI and data scientists that are working on the project with us and helping us advance this while I'm doing all the work of customer discovery and trying to understand, and we're looking at probably six different potential use cases that we're very excited about, but we can't boil the ocean. We're too small and we just don't have enough money to do everything. So part of what we're trying to do is winnow that down to maybe two, possibly three key kind of beachhead markets that we'll be pursuing first. And we've made some great progress there, but those are kind of the two anchors that NSF wants you to focus on. One is evolving and proving that thesis of the technology. And the other is figuring out exactly how you're going to commercialize this product. They want you to go to a phase two if you can, and we want to do that too. That would be another grant that would be you know, closer to a million dollars. That would be very useful for us. This is all non-dilutive funding, and that's a big deal when you're a tiny little startup. And so, you know, getting this kind of money is really important and, you know, every dollar is so valuable, but, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot that goes into actually getting those awards. So it isn't free money by any means. Well, thank you for the crash course on an SBIR grant and how to achieve it. I'm now ready to rock and roll. I'm sure I have no idea what I would be doing if I even tried because I have spent time with Dr. Archuleta and talk about a powerhouse. And if there's somebody that can help you mm-hmm. know, pull that off, it is definitely her. So let's actually switch gears a bit, Kitty. I think it's important for our community to understand from your perspective and your strategy into the marketplace. Let's go to those beachhead markets that uh, opportunities that you're seeing. Where are you bringing this out the gates? And again, for us as a community, be thinking about use cases as well. But if you could, as much as you can share, where are you going first into the marketplace? Yeah. There's two contenders for first. One is this nursing home category that I mentioned. There's a lot of need there, and there are some real difficulties that those folks are having for a variety of different reasons, both business and just, you know, health reasons that this kind of tool would be incredibly useful. You know, just a little vignette about that. One of the groups that we've spoken with that operates several dozen nursing homes, you know, they're today assessing every one of their residents or patients three times a day around respiratory issues. So every time there's a shift change, there's a nurse coming in and doing a new respiratory assessment. And the tools they have to do that are really not where they want them to be. So they're listening and they're trying to decide if the cough sounds better or worse than it did the day before. And so we know that if we can give them an empirical way to evaluate that in that moment that they're doing three times a day, that right there will be just a huge improvement to their ability to assess the in the moment health, uh, respiratory health of all those patients, some of whom are in a very delicate, you know, fragile health condition. So that's an area we're excited about. We also look a lot at the broader commercial market, which we've separated into what we think of as premise uh, operators and employers. So employers, of course, you're trying to get your people back to work safely. And so you want to have a bunch of health safety measures in place to reassure employees that you're capturing, you're catching, you're being proactive about trying to identify potential risk and potential infections. So you can imagine in a, you know, there's a lot of things, uh, building automation things going on to listen for and do temperature checks and 
you know, sanitizing your hands and checking your fever, you know, around a respiratory issue. So there's a bunch of technology there that we're trying to piggyback into and add this cough signal to all those other signals that they're tracking. And then premise operators are everything from cruise ships to movie theaters to casinos to restaurants, entities that are bringing people together in smaller quantities than before, but again, wanting some kind of ongoing measurement so that you're not just capturing it once, but you're always listening to see if that kind of sound could be captured and identified. And then the third one, which we had kind of not really paid a lot of attention to until very recently is the consumer market. We're not really funded or built to do a direct-to-consumer play right now. We're just too new. But what we found is that some of these big insurers, so Anthem, Kaiser, United Healthcare, they have these wellness platforms. And the idea of putting an offering like this into their wellness platform, so a you know, an online tool into their digital platforms that would allow their subscribers, their members to actually do this kind of self-testing to evaluate how they or their child in that case may be feeling around a cough. That's something that actually has more promise than we realized at first. So that may end up being an early place that we will be starting as well. All very exciting. Thank you for sharing that, Kitty. And of course, in a moment, we'll ask how our community can also be supporting you. Maybe it's around those exact beachheads and then where we can get involved and and find you online. But I have one last question. Uh, Well, I have many, but I'm going to finish with one last question for the sake of time. Obviously, we're all working incredibly hard with leaders like you and Dr. Archuleta rallying to fight and destroy COVID-19. I remain confident that we are going to achieve exactly that. It is going to take time. But let's pretend and fast forward into the future. We're past COVID-19. What does Audible Health AI look like in a post-COVID world? Yeah, it's so important. I'm so happy that you asked me that. We really think that there are a number of different respiratory conditions that we can meaningfully impact. So just for example, today, tuberculosis is still killing 2 million people a year on Earth. And so this is the kind of disease state that we could really affect. We could pick that up quickly and make a meaningful difference in speed of diagnosis and those kinds of things. We also think that there are a ton of other conditions that, you know, all respiratory related, what is the difference between asthma and bronchitis and COPD to a variety of different users in talking with some of the clinical partners that we've interviewed. So nurses and doctors, you know, one of the most common requests we got was, can you tell me the difference between a viral cough that does not need antibiotics and a bacterial cough that does, because there's a, you know, an epidemic of overprescribing antibiotics in this country, and doctors are charged with stemming that, making sure they stop doing that. If we can give them a definitive way to distinguish in an office visit or even prior to an office visit, the patient at home, just that one thing would be a huge impact, you know, a positive health impact. But, you know, we, any kind of respiratory illness, we think we can give far more precision and a much earlier warning to both individual patients, but also their healthcare professionals. What an exciting roadmap. I mean, the work just today alone with COVID-19, groundbreaking, incredibly important, but that roadmap even beyond, so inspiring. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Kitty. Now let's turn in towards our community where we can be helping you and Dr. Archuleta and the Audible Health AI team. Where can we be getting involved and how can we be helping you? 
Well, I can think of at least two things. One is learning. So we want to hear from people in the market. They might be healthcare practitioners. They might be individual consumers. They might be operating businesses or the like. But any kind of additional insights that we can hear from people to understand what the need really looks like and practically how we can bring this forward into those scenarios, that's really valuable to us because we are in sponge mode right now, trying to learn as much as we can about as many markets as we can. But the single biggest need that we have right now is for data. So right now, what we're doing to train the AI is we're capturing all kinds of sort of data that's out there, you know, public data that exists on YouTube or whatever for doing some of the training. But we need a lot more cough sounds of COVID-infected patients. We've been collecting it. We put together an IRB and we're working with a couple of testing sites that are sending us their positively diagnosed patients so that we can capture a cough sound from them. But we need way, way more. So definitely I'm putting a, you know, a call out in and a wish that anyone that has any data or anyone that is screening and testing a lot of folks for COVID, if we can work with you and add you to our roster of testing facilities so that we can get more cough samples, more validated COVID cough samples, that would just, will make all of this go much faster and get us to the precision we need, you know, to accommodate all those scenarios that we've talked about. Excellent. All right. Call has been made out to the community, (laughs) to our incredible community that is around the world. I hope that you will get plugged in help Kitty and Dr. Archuleta out with this mission. The call to actions are very clear. So thank you for sharing that, Kitty. And I'm confident that our community is definitely going to rally around this. But we need to know where to find you. Where can we find you online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise? Um, Our website, which doesn't say a whole lot at the moment, is just audiblehealth.ai. But I am one of those people that says, feel free to email me. I'm just kitty at audiblehealth.ai. Um, And I would love to talk to anybody that wants to discuss this topic. And Kitty, you and Dr. Archuleta are both on LinkedIn as well, right? That's one of our big channels here for the podcast. Excellent. And we'll leave all of those contact points down in the episode notes. So if you're listening from your favorite podcast player, just simply scroll down and click on through. Additionally, these will be listed over at passionatepioneers.com with the episode publication over there as well. And also while over at passionatepioneers.com, do leave some comments, suggestions, ideas, or otherwise in the comments section for Kitty and Dr. Archuleta. Well, we're going to start wrapping up here, Kitty. Thank you so much for the time today. Like I said, I feel we could be here for quite some time, given the excitement around this, what you and Dr. Archuleta are leading This is incredibly important and very inspiring work. So thank you for taking a pit stop to let our community know about it. We look forward to rallying around you and Dr. Archuleta. And so for now, thank you for being with us. We look forward to continuing to get updates from you and your journey and the mission you're on at Audible Health AI. But for now, thank you so much for being with us today, Kitty. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.